All right, everybody, we are here once again. Welcome to another episode of the Ball Never Lie podcast. If you already don't know, I'm one half of your host here. I'm the coach. What up, y'all? Luke Foe, second half. We're here. Let's get it. Yes, sir. And once again, as always, we thank you guys. We appreciate you guys for listening to us. We love to agree to disagree, talk hoop with y'all, man. And a lot has happened and has transpired in the past week, so... Let's jump right into it, man. Where 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 you want to start this week, folks? Um, we can talk about the trades, and then we'll get into you know the front offices and you know the moves they've been making. But um, I don't, it don't matter what what, what trades you want to start with. Um, you know what? I'm a, I'm gonna start with I'm gonna start with the unpopular hot take that's gonna lead into our discussion, man, and. I, I got to get this off my chest. And I know you've been feeling the same way about these things. I don't know okay. what it is about, about NBA teams not wanting to do deals with the Lakers, but I don't care what anybody says. Teams don't want to do straight-up deals with the Lakers. I, I don't care what anyone says. When I'm looking at these trade deals that are getting passed and, and accepted from other teams, and and a lot of, and we can sit back and, and joke on how the Lakers – you know, didn't make trades or 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 the trade packages that were presented. You can't tell me that a lot of these trades that went through that the Lakers didn't offer. I'm sure pretty much didn't offer either the same thing that was given up, or or just as better with with a lot of these deals that passed through. And that's just me. A lot of times I, I'm looking, I sit back, and we see that the Lakers are, are interested in this person, that person, but the asking price is is out of this world. And then we turn around and we see a trade happens for, for a bag of Funyuns and, and, a, and a Metro tap card. And that, and that's what gets on my nerves. Yeah, for sure. I mean, shit, look at that Spurs deal for Gordon Drogic. Originally the night before there was a three team deal between the Raptors, Knicks and Lakers where Drogic would go to the Knicks and all of a sudden Toronto trades him to the Spurs and the Spurs are going to buy him out. It That fucked up the whole deal for, you know, the Lakers to get Cam Reddish. And, you know, I don't – I'm not, like, harping over that, but that just showed me, like, all right, they said it was damn near a done deal. In the morning, there will be moving pieces. Then all of a sudden, there's a whole new deal, and they trade for Thaddeus Young. Like, I mean, I guess, but that wasn't – the deal they had before – all teams are getting equal um, players, but, you know, that just showed me – that kind of showed me how the day was going to go. I mean, a month before I said the Lakers weren't going to make a deal and then coming closer, I'm like, all right, they're probably going to open a roster spot. I could see that happening, maybe trade Kent Bays more for like a second or whatever. So that was my only thoughts going into the trade deadline. And then, you know, we're getting closer and closer. And then when that trade happened in the morning, I was like, yeah, the Lakers aren't going to make a move. I already know. <laughs> Then we kept hearing, you know, different little rumors, Terrence Ross, um, Kim Burke. We had a couple rumors, and I just knew, like, those are just thrown out names. I know for a fact it ain't going to happen. And then nothing happened. And that's when, like you said, I, I, I sent that tweet out. Like, we know what's going on. This has been going on since the Kobe years. Like, dudes do not want to make deals with the Lakers. When the Lakers make deals, there's a problem, there's an issue. They try to, like, derail the deals. They try to make make it seem like each deal they've made is terrible, but it ends up working out. So when it does work out, that makes, you know, even – it makes more, like, grumpy 
GMs where they really don't want to make a deal with the Lakers, and it's weird to me, but whatever. Yeah, man, I guess, but that 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 type of petty shit right there just grinds my gears, and and that's how you cause people's jobs, rather if it's players, GMs, or coaches. So, at the end of the day, man, I guess it is what it is, but we'll 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 find a way to prevail about this as we always do. Yeah, but I, I'm gonna keep it honest. We'll, we'll still talk about these GMs and stuff, but I did say that I wasn't gonna stress or have a problem to all-star break and we're here now so you know being a man of my word I do have an issue with the Lakers I am stressing I am nervous I still don't think anyone wants to see us in a seven game series especially after watching that Warriors game but I, I have a problem with our superstars I have a problem with LeBron um please call him out I, I just can't understand and I get it here's my thing right I don't like how we play one side of the board. Like on one side, we're so amazed that he's 37 and he's doing all this and he's performing at a high level. Then when it comes to defense or it comes to free throws or it comes to being held accountable, it's, well, he's 37. It's like, nah, we're not going to praise someone for being an amazing athlete, being something we've never seen. And then on the same token, we try to like justify his bullshit. Like, if you watch games, and I know Laker fans aren't because as soon as they see two turnovers from Westbrook, that's the problem. But if you watch games, you know LeBron is giving up at least 10 to 12 points each game on backdoor cuts alone. And that's not just guarding his man. That's just backdoor cuts. Then you watch him play on-ball defense. And I heard a dude arguing in these spaces, and we'll get to that one day, but there's a dude arguing <laughs> in spaces who's not even – he's not a Lakers fan at all. He literally said it, and he was the only one that said it, and everybody was going crazy on him. Like, nah, LeBron is a good defender when he tries. And it's like, look what you said when he tries. And two, you're lying. He's not a good defender. He hasn't been a good defender for a very long time. Now, he's an athlete, which means that if he really tries, of course, he's going to get a couple blocks. He can, you know, lock down a couple possessions. But a good defender? Nah, I'm not giving him that. He he costs us a lot. and. He does things that, you know, I can tell probably irritate his teammates. He'll let a backdoor cut happen. He'll look at his teammates, raise his hand, and be like, what the fuck happened? And it's like, bitch, you happened. Like, we know what happened. Like, come on, man. <laughs> and he doesn't hold himself accountable. We knew he was going to miss those free throws, but we still wanted him to make those free throws. He missed them. AD. Oh, as soon, as, soon as he got there. As soon as Braun got there. I just wanted to speak on those free throws. I said, yeah, he fin he finna miss one. He ain't finna make all these, and and yeah, maybe that's, that's why pathetic. I didn't, I I I didn't take the heart that loss because I I'd rather him just miss that three and they didn't call no foul and just say hey game over play on because as soon as he got up there I was I just told myself it's Braun he gonna miss one and as soon yeah. as the first one he just got it out the way and just said well fuck it yeah and then people want to be mad at Skip Bayless yeah he takes it too far but. If you really listen to him, he has valid points when it comes to LeBron. Like, we know LeBron didn't want to be in that moment. We know for damn sure LeBron didn't want to shoot those free throws. Let's, let's keep it real, bro. And that just, you know, proves Skip's point. And LeBron, you know, I don't I don't know, man. Like, yes, he's, he is amazing for his age. Yes, he's doing a lot. But he's stat-padding, man. If we're really watching the games, he's stat-padding. There was a game fucking... The Blazer oh, game? Yeah, against the Blazers, remember I was I was super pissed. Bro was posting up Dennis Smith, uh, Jr., 
and then just passing out of the play. Like, assert your dominance. Why Why can't we just back to the basket, which they did against the Warriors, back to the basket, go get a basket. And then they run away from that in the fourth quarter. AD, again, doesn't show up in the fourth. I don't know what's going on. I will say this, though. People are being way too critical because when he first came back, he was playing amazing. He has two bad games. Now everybody's saying he's a bum again. I hate, I hate that about people, but that is what it is. So I'm not going to critique him too bad. All I'm going to say is he needs to make his free throws and, you know, go back to playing how he was when he first came back the first five, six games. Now for LeBron, again, it's, it's just disgusting, man. Like, if we're going to hold somebody to a GOAT status, we have to critique them like a GOAT. That's all I'm saying. I, I don't understand how – I, I want to get to this. I think that, you know, this – I mean, even in the world, but we're just too soft. Like, you can't critique a player. We have to just praise him. If you critique him, you're a hater. You're you're dick riding someone else, whatever. But they want you to just praise him all the time. You can't, you know, tell him where he needs to improve. Dudes don't like criticism. Like, it doesn't make sense to me, bro. This is not what we grew up on. I don't know why the world is so soft, but we got to figure this shit out because we're not going to just sit here and let him play terrible and then be like, okay, next game. But as soon as Westbrook has a turnover, the world goes crazy. And just uh, just to co-sign that last part you saying, just about us giving players con- – and let me start by saying there's a difference between us critiquing players, giving constructive criticism, and then there's a difference between people talking shit. There, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a real problem I see nowadays with players receiving constructive criticism. Rather, if that's just from in the NBA to – so even now as far as coaching – that you can tell it ruffles players' feathers or ruffle, it ruffles people's feelings when, when you're talking about their favorite players. The other day, somebody made a comment about Trey Young and how he's getting torched by DeJounte Murray and, and somebody else back-to-back games. And all I said was, y'all put him on this pedestal of, of Trey Young being this all-world point guard, and he hasn't proven that to me. And my mentions blew up to where... <laughs> People was calling me clowns. The public school uh, has failed me, and and how it's and how him being getting his team to the Eastern Conference Finals last year has has proven me wrong. And I'm not so I can take the criticism that that part doesn't bother me. That I come with that with a grain of salt. But again, we're starting to move the goalposts in the bar here because. When Giannis won last year, the whole thing, it was if Brooklyn was healthy, he wouldn't have gotten that far. Well, if Brooklyn was healthy, do we still think Atlanta is getting through the semifinals? If Ben Simmons, if Ben Simmons knew how to dunk the ball, are they getting through to the semifinals? I don't Fuck think no. so either. So so again, it's just having that same energy and it's okay. I don't mind having a debate if people want to debate me on why Trey Young is a top five point guard in this league. But don't just sit here and call me a clown and and and, and be mad at my opinion for, for what I see with my two eyes. Yes, Trey Young is going to get his numbers, but it, it doesn't make his team better. He's going to throw his lobs. He's going to get his floaters to his bigs. But Atlanta has a lot more talent that can be utilized a lot more if Trey Young just dished the ball out a little a, – just a little bit more to to his teammates than rather some of his teammates 
having to get their own bucket, and then the ball just kind of stops moving. But, again, that's just from what I see when I watch the Atlanta Hawks. Again, like I said, I don't care what anybody says to me as far as what they think. But, again, just just have your own opinion. Just, just have a valid point of, of what you're saying, man. That's all. Yeah, man, trust me. I'm, I didn't even know until I tried to click on tweets. I'm blocked by half of Lakers' Twitter. They don't like the real, bro. <laughs> so, you know, salute to them. I think one of the accounts, one of the big accounts is like pickup hoops, some bullshit like that. Fuck you if you're listening. But anyway, <laughs> let's let's get to these let's get to these deals. So, you know, the major deal, that's like the headline of the trade deadline was the Sixers and Nets deal. I personally like it was a uh, deal, like okay, whatever. Um for the Sixers standpoint, I mean, we both talked about him a lot. Seth Curry, man, that we'll see how it goes, but that that was major to me. Losing him was major. Yeah. Um, in the grand scheme of things, when you do look at it, if James Harden is James Harden, you kind of didn't really give up a lot. But if James Harden is a notch below, because, you know, we're still setting the standard for James Harden like it's 2018 and it's not. So if he's if he's anything he's been past 2018, then this deal is just, you know, it's going to look nasty. Um, Daryl Morey, I think he's he's a fraud. Um, he's a clown. He underachieves a lot. His team's success relies way too much on one piece. So, again, his his whole career is about to rely on this James Harden deal. And that's what happened with the Rockets. They underachieved. They had all the pieces. They were damn near getting all the vets at one point. Before, before this league became super young, go look at those Rockets teams. They were getting all the vets. All free agents were signing with them. Trevor They've had Reese interchangeable lineups. Man, it just, it it just didn't players. work. It, it's, it didn't work. They underachieved. They're always going to hold on to if Chris Paul didn't get injured. But let's keep it real. We don't know what could have happened. So I'm not going to hold them to that. Um, Again, we have we have Daryl Morey. We have Doc Rivers. We have James Harden. All three guys, we know that. You know, when the lights are the brightest, don't show up. So let's see what happens there. I, again, I think the deal was whatever. Um, we know James Harden, like, when he doesn't want to play somewhere, he's boo-boo. So let's see. I don't know if he's going to trick us and be good for the first five games with the Sixers, then something might happen and he's back to being fat suit James Harden. We don't know. So we we'll really have to wait for this. I don't think this is pushing them over the needle. I still think the Bucks are the favorites in the East and the favorites to win it all. But, again, like I said, we'll see. You can't waste an MVP season from Joel Embiid. So, if they underachieve, man, Daryl Moore is going to go from overrated to completely trash. That's all I'm going to say. How do you feel? Just from the whole um, just trade standpoint overall, Daryl Moore really is a clown. He's a fraud. He's a goofy. And I say that because before this trade went down, we heard that he wanted – all these picks and assets and 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 char- and in return back for for Ben Simmons for an all-star player. Okay, I understand that. And, and when I look at the trade outside of, of Ben Simmons and James Harden, I just cancel those two out. What else did he get back in return? Because like you said, well, James Harden's getting older now. He's getting more injury prone. 
And he always doesn't put his best foot forward as a team, with the team. It's like when things don't go his way, he pouts. And let's call it what it is. He's probably the biggest prima donna in this league that we have. And it goes back to something with what you said. This owner's gonna, these owners going to take this league back sooner, sooner rather than later. Because yep. when, you do, when you pull some of these stunts that, that James Harden has been pulling or, or what Ben Simmons has done on his, on his side of things, we, in due time, we, I can see that lockout happening. And it's going to last longer than people, people may think. But from the Nets standpoint, like we said, man, you get back Seth Curry. I think his game is underrated. It's going to fit well next to, to KD. You get back Andre Drummond, who's, of course, not a, a, a big trade piece in a lot of people's eyes, but he's going he's gonna to rebound and defend for Brooklyn for what they need, and they need size at that, at that center position. You can depend on Nicholas Claxton or LaMarcus Aldridge to be your defensive stoppers. And they also got back two first-round picks that they can end up eventually flipping. So – We'll, we'll see how that goes. And, and again, just from Philly's standpoint, James Harden better be Houston James Harden before the, the pounding and him wanting to get out of those deals because I don't know how many years we're going to see Embiid healthy like this playing at an MVP level, like, like you stated. You don't waste prime years out of the big who's been injury prone. That's, that's, that's for sure. And, and another thing, too, every, every, everybody says both teams got better. I'm still waiting to see how much Philly got better. It, I got to see when James Harden returns to the court. And also, we can't really fully judge Brooklyn until their whole team is out there. And when are we going to see their whole team out there? Possibly never, unless their, their mandates change on their COVID protocols and, and vaccines or, or not. Even this with this week, Brooklyn plays New York on the road, technically. Kyrie still can't play because he's in the state of New York. So it's going to be very interesting to see how both teams play this out going forward. Not this, just not just this year, but next year also as well. Let me ask you this. I know, I know how close KD and Kyrie are, but if you're Sean Marks, the GM, and Kyrie isn't fully invested and clearly – James Harden had a problem with that. Would you have done that same deal or would you have looked at options to trade Kyrie? Um, I would I would have done my job as a GM and looked at all all exploring options. Um, yeah, we know that Katie and Kyrie want to be best of friends and, and they want to stick together. But at the end of the day, he has to look at what's best for the whole franchise and, and not just keeping one or two players happy. Because again, again, ultimately, it could be his job at the end of the day as well. So, yeah, I so guess. That, oh, you got to go ahead. No, no, go ahead. It's it's gonna wrap up what you're saying. Go ahead. Oh no, yeah. So I was just saying, hey, as as a GM, you have to look at all, like look at every deal, explore everything, listen, hear everybody out, and who knows? Maybe he did get some calls about Kyrie, and maybe he just wasn't feeling it. Or again, maybe just KD wouldn't sign off on it. But sometimes, man, these and and when I when I, when I say this, this goes for Rob Palinka too. Sometimes you just gotta just gotta nut up, can't listen to these players, man, and just pull that trigger. And that's what I'm gonna get to. So people, fans especially, get mad when GMs don't listen to star players, but then when they listen too much to star players, then it's, it falls back on the GM. And you mentioned Rob Palenka. Everyone was super happy when 
Rob Lincoln was doing everything for Clutch, and he was doing it LeBron's way, blah, blah, blah. Now, when he kind of pulls back and does it his way, there's an issue and you need to listen to your stars. But let's go back to Brooklyn. Sean Marks, he chose DeAndre Jordan over Jared Allen, which everyone thought (laughs) terrible, terrible. It was terrible. We knew that. But we all knew that KD and Kyrie wanted DeAndre Jordan. So now what do you do as a GM? You make a terrible deal to keep your superstars happy. You do bring in James Harden. You do get rid of Karis LeVert. But you make your superstars happy. Now, six they only play, what, 16 games together? Now everybody's yep. saying, oh, Brooklyn's terrible, blah, blah, blah. Nah, this is what the fans wanted. And this is why I said, one day, coming soon, maybe it might not even happen, but the owners need to take back over. They need to let dudes that are front office guys be front office guys, let players be players. Once you start to dibble and dabble in other things, everything fucks up. Let's just keep it real, bro. These players are trying to run the league, and they don't understand business. They don't understand consequences. All they understand is, like, I'm not trying to be funny or, you know, not trying to be rude. All they understand is putting the ball in the basket and having basketball IQ on the court. But off the court, let GMs be GMs. Let them deal with the money. Let them deal with the trades, the trade kickers, the incentives, all that bullshit. Let them deal with that, bro. Let's stop trying to have players be GMs because it does not work. Name a team that worked out other than, you know, the big three heat. And again, that was a time where other teams weren't drafting really well and it wasn't no two superstars to a team. You look at every other team now, you don't see Giannis demanding, oh, I want to play with this person. No, the GM worked. He realized, okay, I have Giannis. I have to, you know, set a team around him for him to want to stay. He set the perfect championship team. Now, y'all can debate all you want, but that team today, even even though they're underperforming in some senses, they've had all these injuries, and they're still right there. They're still the favorites. Why? Because the GM set that team up right. I don't know, I don't know Giannis's influence. We don't hear him in the media, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe he does have influence, but he's not all in the media saying who he wants to play with or what type of players need to be on his team. He doesn't bash his teammates. He's not like the rest of these superstars. A lot of these superstars don't know what the fuck they need, what the fuck they want. They don't know what to do. Like, let's just keep it real, bro. Rob Palenka has been getting bashed a lot, but this falls on Rich Paul and LeBron. Let's, Let's keep it totally honest, man. They've crippled this team since they've got here. Every year, it's some more bullshit. Either we don't have enough money, we don't have draft capital, we don't have trade assets. Why? Because we go do what LeBron wants, then it fails, and they put their their hands back in their pocket and act like they had nothing to do with it. Now they're trying to, oh, Rob Palenka's lying. Let's keep it real, bro. Yes, Rob Palenka has made some bad quotes or whatever. I don't, who cares about a damn quote? Like, we know what's going on. LeBron's done this his whole career. Every GM he's been with has been looked at as a bad GM after they've left LeBron. Why? Because LeBron comes in, does what he wants, cripples the team. Then when he moves on, the GM is held to a different standard. Okay, how are you going to perform without LeBron? And that's what everyone's looking at now. How are the Lakers going to be 
in two, three years if LeBron leaves or if he retires. We're fucked because of LeBron. Like, this is what happens. Am I tripping? Yep. Nah, man. Every and, – and just what you said, I just want to give a shout-out to the uh, Cavs GM, Kobe Altman, because everybody knows where LeBron goes, turns into the GM. What did Carmelo say before he signed here on his million dollars worth of game interview? He told LeBron, you the GM, nigga, in closed quote. So we know what goes on behind closed doors. And Carmelo just wouldn't spew that out if this wasn't true. LeBron could come out and say, I'm not the GM. I just I just played the game. Come on now. The, like you said, you've been in this league 19 years, dog. We've seen it. Don't, don't bullshit a bullshitter. All right? And again, this goes back to him having to be held accountable along with Clutch Sports and Rich Paul. You made this bed, now you got to lay in it. And then that's that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Yeah. And it, I mean, I don't know, bro. Like, we can go on and on about the Lakers or just LeBron, but I'm going to move on. I have a list, and I want you to, you know, talk to me, dispute, whatever you want to do. This is my list of elite GMs, and then we'll get to the rest. But this is the elite to me. I have James Jones over there on the Suns. Bob Myers, Golden State. We'll talk about him, though, because he is dropping to me. Lawrence Frake, Clippers. Andy Ellisberg for the Miami Heat. To me, that is the list of elite. And when I say elite, I mean, like, top of the top, you know, every box they check off. Drafting, free agents, gyms, trades. Every list to me, they that list right there tops it off. Now, for Lawrence Frank, you can debate, you know, drafting because they kind of they kind of get iffy there. They do miss some pieces and draft others, but their picks always work out because they're able to trade him or they're able to trade the picks before they even draft. So that's why I put him at that list. But trading-wise, I think Lawrence Frank, I know Jerry West is the face, but everyone knows Lawrence Frank was the real, you know, deal. And he that dates back to the Nets, man. Like, he he's a he's a top GM to me. So, out of that list, how do you feel? Um, I think that's a solid list. Honestly, I I would say Lawrence Frank, like you said, a lot of people think of Jerry West first, but I think Lawrence Frank is underrated for even just the deals that he's pulled off this year, bringing in um, Norman Powell, Robert Covington. They drafted um, BJ Boston in the second round, who had a lot of lottery uh, lottery pick potential coming into the draft. So he's definitely done a good job. Uh, I would add two names to that list. I would say one is Masai Ujiri. Um, I'm not know if he's considered just president of basketball operations or just the GM of the Raptors, but the way they bring in talent and the way they bring in players and develop them, I think him and Nick Nurse go hand in hand together. Just as far as, like I said, just them bringing in players and you know what he is added on. You're definitely right. Uh, I, I got to add him on and um, just just because the culture that he's built and we've seen the Raptors now, what, top six seeds and can still even get higher in the Eastern Conference. And a lot of us had him in the playing round or, or even not making it. So I got to give him credit for that. And then one person that is starting to grow on me that um, I mentioned, Kobe Altman. We've seen what he's doing with the Cavs. He's drafted well with Darius Garland, Evan Mobley. We questioned the signings of Larry Markkinen. Um, to that team, we wanted to see how how um, Kevin Love would play after them deciding not to move him. And they're a top 
what, three, four seed in the Eastern Conference right now. So I got to give Kobe Allman a lot of credit for the years of work that he's put in with Cleveland because we all have known that that's usually been basketball purgatory over the past few years. And, and now they sit currently third in the uh, Eastern Conference to be exact. So I got to give my um, salutes to him. And then also as well, um, just an honorable mention, the GM for the uh, Chicago Bulls, Mark Eversley, bringing in DeMar DeRozan, bringing in those pieces like Alonzo Ball, Caruso, that that they started to build before the injuries. And we're starting to see it come to fruition with them being in the second second seed right now in the Eastern Conference. They've been usually at the top throughout the year, just through them battling injuries. And salute to DeMar DeRozan for leading, leading that way. And we'll get further down the line about tomorrow when we talk about MVP rankings, but those would be my uh, like elite GMs right now. Um, I would say the Bucks GM. I just don't know the name of the Bucks GM, but he also does a, a great job too. Got to give him his uh, credits and respect also as well. But yeah, those are my my top about what six seven GMs across the league that that I think uh, just to add on to your list, pretty much that that are uh, great at what they do. Yeah, definitely, and then. Um... For Kobe, I'll, I'll say this for the Cavs. He came in, or his name was buzzing the year of 2018 where he made all those deals at the trade deadline and still got to the finals. Now, we know LeBron carried that team. To me, and to a lot of people, the 2018 Cavs is one of the worst championship teams of all time. Facts. So I give him his credit, but I also don't yet because it's too early if that makes sense now it's his vision it's it's what he wants to do so i need another year this year is obviously stacking up this this year puts him in the good category for me but for elite i'm gonna wait a little bit on that if that makes sense no i co-sign that 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 makes sense and that's why i said like it's it's his name is starting to grow i gotta see one more year and see what he adds on in the offseason and, and, and the drafts going forward because they're going to have to make a decision. Do they pay Karis Avert long-term? Because Colin Sex is definitely out the door. We know who the who the point, who the floor general is in Cleveland. So I definitely do want to see what they continue to add on and how they can get better going forward. Yeah, but, I mean, I know we're going to agree. Who's, who's your biggest fraud, GM? My biggest fraud GM. There's there's a few that's been that's just been rubbing me the wrong way lately. Um, first of all, what whatever they're doing in Sacramento, that's first, second, and third. I don't care what nobody says. Sacramento is first in line as far as just the worst GMs. Another you know what, one you know too. What? Hold on, hold on. Not to interrupt you, but I, I want you, you know, since we're talking, I've seen it on Twitter, whatever. I want you to break down. Do you really believe that? The Hallenburn trade was that bad? Like, explain no. it to me if you do. Oh, okay, okay. I don't think it was that bad. I just think, first of all, Sacramento Kings are going to do Sacramento Kings things. When everybody was outraged as far as the Kings trading Halliburton and Buddy Hill, well, more because of Halliburton, it's the Kings. Why, why are y'all so upset? I've never seen so many people come. Go ahead. Go ahead. And, I I I didn't think it was that that bad of a trade because you're trading you're trading a potential star, keyword potential, and I think 
Tyrese Halliburton has a, a lot of upside. I got him on my fantasy team, so says some of what I think of him. But you're also getting back an all-star as well in, in Sabonis. Now, does that make your team better long-term, sustainably? I don't see a playoff bird coming from that, but I don't see why everybody was so outraged that the Kings decided to keep De'Aaron Fox over Tyrese Halliburton at the end of the day. That's what I was about to say. So my only issue, right, is this goes to, like, just like the Hawks. They had way too many guards. Aren't you supposed to sell high? Like, Halliburton is doing his best right now. Let's say he drops a little bit. Same with THT. Remember when he was, like, at his peak and we did not trade him for Kyle Lowry? Now everybody's saying, oh, we should have traded him. Aren't you supposed to trade at the peak? Not when they're, you know, terrible? Because you're not going to get the best reward for him? They got, to me... They got one of the best rewards. Now, if he was known as a trade block player, maybe they would have got a little bit more. But at the deadline, you got Sabonis, who's a for sure all-star. You already paid De'Aaron Fox all that money. You have Donovan Mitchell still. Like, I don't understand. Understand? I mean, not Donovan. Uh, Davion, Davion Mitchell. I don't understand what's the, the outrage. Like, Hallenburn's good, and he does things that Fox can't do, which is, you know, he's a better facilitator he gets his teammates involved a little bit more, but he's not as great of a scorer. Shooting-wise, they're, they're completely even to me. And he still, to me, Hallenburn still has a lot to improve in that Fox is already there. Like, Fox is already known as a clutch player when he's playing. He's already showed you he can score 23, 24 points a game. Now you add in the All-Star next to him, like, to me, that doesn't that doesn't derail the trade. Like, like you said, you're trading for potential and you're getting back, you know, something you already know. And let's keep it real. Sabonis is still young. He's 24, 25. Like, he's in his complete prime. It's not like they traded for an older star. It wasn't a James Harden type deal, a 32-year-old. Like, this is a 24, 25-year-old. That's an all-star. He's going to be an all-star in the West. He's going to take someone's spot. And everyone's going to be pissed next year. But it's a fact. This dude is a walking 19 and 10, 19 and 12. I, I don't get the outrage, honestly. I just hope he takes Rudy Gobert's spot in the All-Star game next year. <laughs> that Rudy hate going to have to stop one day, man. I think it's Donovan Mitchell. Once he's gone, the Rudy hate will stop. But <laughs> that's Not today, thing. damn it. Not today. <laughs> but to me, my biggest fraud, I, I'm surprised you didn't say it. It's Sam Pressy, man. Like I want to leave him to you. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Like, listen, man, you know, we used to clown Sam Hankey a lot to trust the process thing. But at the end of the day, they were drafting the guys. It was working. You could see the vision. What vision do we see in OKC? Yes, Josh Giddy is very nice. That's a sleeper pick he did have. But he's been there, you know, since the KD days. So let's keep it totally real. Since KD has left, he still has not recovered. Like, what What are we doing here? Like, I'm not – oh, well, breaking news, Bucks are signing uh, DeAndre Bembry, which is nice for them. That's but, a solid um, pickup. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not feeling, you know, racking up these picks and making a farm system and waiting for a high school kid. Like, you have talented players right now. You could have moved some pieces. You could have – gain some more at the trade deadline, maybe even more expiring contracts to get more pieces like you like to do. But, yo, you traded Paul George for Shea, and now you're just going to leave Shea in basketball hell for the rest of his life? Like, 
it didn't take the Grizzlies that long to recover. You get what I'm saying? Like they they had a whole bunch yep. of uh, a whole vet team, and in a year they were already you know close to an eighth seed, and now this year they're top five seed. So it took them two years. Like come on, like, I I don't get it, man. Everyone wants you to wait. Uh, there is no process to his madness. Let's keep it real. I think he's he's a two K GM that you know is just a little smarter than the average human. I don't think he's good. With all these picks, you could have been, you know, started to trade for another star to put right next to Shea, maybe even someone better than him to where he's the second option. And now you have him, Josh Giddy, and whatever star you could have traded for. But he hasn't. The process has been shit. Um, shit. Uh, even their 19th pick, or 19th or 17th, whatever it was, Trey Mann, like, he hasn't even been able to blossom yet. Darius Baisley, he hasn't really done shit. I don't get it, man. He's the biggest fraud to me. I like. I would love for a Thunder fan to really explain what the hell he's building over there, because to me, he's just building a future with no vision boards. Like it's just we're gonna go along with whatever happens, type shit. No, nah, you really hit the nail on the head by saying he's a two K GM. Like the only difference is that he just knows numbers better than the average man or the average woman, I would say, average person. So that's the only reason why he's probably still up there in OKC because, like we said, okay, yeah, you got back Shea, Shea Gildas back in the trade from Paul George, and yet we still see him you sitting out a lot of games, right? If that's up to the team or quote unquote injuries, but they sitting here with all these damn draft picks for what? You can't tell me they value draft picks or anybody should dra- value draft picks more than the NBA talent that's already known that's out there for us to see. So you're definitely right. Sam Presti, Squires has kept, is one of the worst GMs across the league. That's for sure. And then also another one I would say, too, and this kind of goes more as far as coaching and GM-wise, got to throw the New York Knicks in there, man. Like, yeah, they have that, they have that one hot year, but – they literally re-sign everyone. They they bring in every 48 on a $78 million contract. That still baffles me. You bring in Kimball Walker. Then they tried to, and then Thibodeau tries to blame Kimball Walker for, for them playing bad instead of looking at the roster that you guys clearly brought back. And also you not developing the talent that you already have. Like, okay, I love I love to pick Emmanuel quickly. You know, that's my guy. But there's no reason why he should be getting less playing time than he did last year. And he kind of looks like he's regressing a bit. And I'm blaming that on coaching. And then also as well, you you trade for Cam Reddish. You send out Kevin Knox, who didn't play. You send in, you bring in someone who could be a potential scorer that you need, someone who can't play defense. I'm not saying he's a, a, a what's it called, a, a standout defender or a shutdown defender. But he definitely gives you more than Evan Fournier and Kimball Walker combined. And yet, they're sitting at 12th place now, eight games under 500. And a lot of that blame needs to be put on on that front office and the coaching over there that's going on in the Big Apple. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I already said I think they they should throw the season and just play the young guys and develop. And then in the offseason, look at Julius Randle trades, look at Evan Fournier trades, and really rebuild for real because – the process that they had. I think they had a cool little run last year. I don't think they should have ran it back. I think they should have sold high, just like I was talking about with the with um, Allen Burton. 
you got to sell high on some of these picks. Like, and that's what people don't get. People always look at the Lakers. Oh, damn, you could have had Larry Nance, Kyle Kuzi, Brandon Ingram, Clarkson, D'Angelo Russell. You can't have all those picks on one team. It'll never happen. There's never been and, a team. And expect to win a title at that. Not even that, but it's never been a team where all those players were drafted. Like, you have to have free agents. You have to have a couple of trades. You're supposed to draft and, and bargain your players and get them out of there at, the, at their height and then let them be that. Like, let's be real. Clarkson's a scorer, but has he really developed to what people – I mean, he was a second-round pick, so he wasn't even supposed to be this. But has he really been what people used to talk about him being? Like, he's not a top-ten scorer like people were starting to look at him as. Kyle Kuzma, he's he's a gem again. Like, he's what the Lakers drafted him for. But let's be real. Can you go put him on a championship team right now as a second option? Like, Hell we're no. going to see what he is right now. And – Excuse me, we all know, like, if there's anybody in his position or anybody close to his spot, he's just not going to be the same player. He has to free will around. So that's not a championship player. Like, you will never be able to have six, seven draft picks on one team. Like, it's just not going to happen. So I don't I don't know. I, to me, you got to you, you, you do draft these players, but at one point you either have to trade them or you have to bring in the right pieces for them and you know build around them but we've we've never seen that happen so i I don't know why we think that's gonna happen so for the knicks man throw in the towel i you know what's funny on my list like obviously i i said i had elite good and then to me terrible bottom five are kings magic pistons pacers and i have to throw in the knicks there i i just have to bro it's like for the paces, right? Before that, we obviously wrote this right after the trade deadline, a little bit before. I started a little bit before, so the Hallenburn trade doesn't equal to being bottom five. Like I'm pretty sure a lot of people are gonna give them praise, but let's look at what they did. They fumbled the bag with the Pacers, um, with the Paul George Pacers. They fumbled the bag when they didn't uh resign Nate McMillan and they chose a different GM. I mean, a different coach, and that just fucked up the whole roster. They've had pieces for, for a very long time. Michael Brogdon, Sabonis, Moss Turner could not get the job done. You, you brought in Karis LeVert, didn't really fit. It didn't fit like they thought it would. It, it, it fit when Michael Brogdon, Malcolm Brogdon was out, you know, with injuries. But as a whole team, it just never worked. You had Victor Oladipo, didn't work. So I, to me, they're bottom five. And then we know about the Magic, we know about the Pistons and um, the Kings. Like, I don't know. I, I think a lot of guys are lucky to have their jobs. Am I tripping? No, you're not at all. Those those bottom five teams are definitely bottom five for a reason. The Magic has all these young assets and players that they just are hoarding over there and not getting better or developed and not willing to trade. I don't get it. Detroit is just awful. They need a whole new makeover. And I, I hope they don't fire Dwayne Casey because it's because this isn't his fault. I mean, they only got one player over the height of six nine, so I don't know can, how can they I expect talk about to him have... real quick. I ain't gonna cap, man. Rotation wise, and it, it did happen with the Raptors too, but I think because their players are so good, he he was able to hide. But he has some of the ro- worst rotations in the NBA, and Yo. like you said, his team ain't that good. But rotation wise, 
the way he rotates, like people hate Frank Vogel. I wish they were able to watch Dwayne Casey on a daily basis. Like you go look, you know, we don't really tap into other fan bases, but now that spaces is created, you can kind of hear how other people think, but you go look over there and his rotations are like hideous, like terrible. It's pretty atrocious. I have an unpopular hot take. I'm going to get to mine because we're talking about them. Jeremy Grant is the next Chandler Parsons. And what I mean by that is he, he he's he's the next guy that we're going to look at in the next two, three years. Like, wow, he's really a bag chase, like a bag stealer. Like, he's the hamburger. Like, he stole money, bro. I was watching the game again last night just to, you know, now the trade deadline's over. Everyone's going to play different. He had 11 points, one rebound, one steal, one block, two, three turnovers. And he played 30 minutes. Now, for a guy that wants a max contract, that wants to be the number one option, that wants to Man. be, you know, all of that, 11 points. And mind you, no exaggeration, he had, I want to say, that 11 at halftime, or he had eight at halftime, one of the two. So he really didn't do anything in that second half. And mind you, I said he had one rebound. He's 6'9", he's lengthy, he's supposed to be the defender that he's supposed to be. He he's I'm telling you now, he's gonna be that guy in two, three years on that top five, you know, biggest thieves list, like for sure. No debate to me. Hey man, if anybody gives him a, a another huge deal, I I need I need I need his representation. I need to know who's who's representing him at clutch because you are for sure right on that, man. He, when he came out and said I, I don't want to be traded to a team that's not going to have me as a number one option. That let me know right there. He don't care about winning because if he want to win, he knows damn well he ain't no number one option to no, no playoff team, to no championship team at that. So you think that's hey, why man. the Pistons didn't trade him? I don't know what the hell Detroit didn't trade, why they didn't trade him because I'm not going to be the team that's going to give him money just to, just to have him there. I mean, no, nah, you're – you already drafted a good piece in, in Cade. I'll, I'll take my 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 bet probably – or they might be waiting to the offseason to trade him. I mean, who knows? But I think they they probably thought that they'd get a better deal for the, in the offseason after probably knowing what draft selection they'll be in or draft order compared to the deals that they may get. But I I still sat back and said, I don't know why they didn't they didn't trade him. Why they, they traded could. for your boy. I thought you'd be happy. Who, for uh, Bagley? Yeah. Shit. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I just, like the three-team deal. I like the way they were able to get it done. But that just showed me again why niggas behaving on the Lakers. Like, y'all was able to get that done, but we couldn't get the little Cam Reddish deal done. <laughs> right. R.C. Buford, man, what a hater. What a bum. Fuck oh, yeah, him birds. and Pop ain't doing no – they ain't doing no, no, no deals for the Lakers anytime soon. Man, because we would have had Kawhi before these bum Inglewood Clippers, but whatever. Let's talk about our expectations after the trade deadline. What What do you expect? Did anybody move the needle? Did you change your opinion? Like, what's what's up? Um, the only team, well, a few teams that that um that I'm I'm looking forward to watching. I would say, and since the trade deadline, um, of course, I got my eye on the Cavs. I want to see how Kevin Levert fits in with 
with um, this Cleveland roster with Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, Darius Garland, those boys. I, I think he can definitely be that two guard that they were looking for as far as a wing scorer and another playmaker who could just get the ball out of um, out of Darius Garland's hands at times just because he was just ball dominant. And, and then also, too, a, a deal that kind of went under the radar a little bit when it happened. I want to see how Nikhil Alexander-Walker affects the Utah Jazz and, and, and see what they can do with that. Joe Ingles was out. It was so funny because he's the, the heart and soul of that team. Jazz, Utah said, yeah, whatever. Get him up out of here. I ain't going to lie. And, I want him to go back to his country, go play in the in, in NBL. Like, I don't fuck with him. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I, I've never liked Joe Ingles. I mean, I was before before Paul George came to the Clippers. Everyone knows I was I was pretty heavy on him as a as a fan. But after that OKC series, and I'm not mad at Joe Ingles for that, but I just don't like the way he talks as if which he's supposed to. This this is if we go back to the old NBA, a lot of bums talked crazy, but he talks like he's one of them guys and he's he's a bum. But then Paul George let him look like one of them guys. And he hasn't looked like that since. So that's what pissed me off about him. <laughs> like, to me, I, I ain't going to lie. Like, he looks like an English teacher and he's hooping. That, that's what really pissed me off. Hey, man, Joe English definitely do look like the sub, man. That's going to come in for, for a period or two that everybody's just going to piss off. But like you mm-hmm. said, man, teams, other teams allow him to get busy. I don't know how. But hey, it, it it happens, man. And then um another thing, another trade that I'm looking to see how it works out. And I've been saying he was supposed to get traded is that Mavericks and Wizards deal. Dallas finally pulled that trigger and got KP terrible. out of there. That was terrible. That was terrible. I know you were happy that he got traded, but that was like I didn't like the pieces that, I, that that's what I said. That that was the biggest surprise to me. Yes, he got traded, and I said that. But then I looked at it and was like, you got Bertans and Dinwiddie back after you already had the, the ball in Brunson's hands. And that, that says a lot about Spencer Dinwiddie, how the Wizards just shipped him up out of there after he got his deal. Either he wasn't a right chemistry fit with that group over there or something. But I, I, I didn't like the pieces that, that Dallas traded for in the beginning. Now, it'll be interesting to see if they do resign a Jalen no, Brunson, or if they no, don't, that's, that's, that's why what, they traded. And, and that's why I'm leaning towards that. That's why they traded for Dinwiddie because they knew Brunson's about to get a big bag this 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 offseason, as he should. And I'm but sure see, it's gonna come from. That's what so, pisses me off because it's like, okay, you trade for Spencer, which means you know Brunson's leaving. Why don't you get the value for him? Like, how does that not make sense? Yeah, why they should have traded. Why don't you trade him and get the value? Hey, there was a rumor that said Detroit asked about Jalen Brunson, <laughs> and they said we want Kane Cunningham back. <laughs> oh no! If, if that's the case, yeah, if you're, you're overvaluing, whatever. But I, I would have yeah, called man. the Knicks. I would have called the Celtics. Like, yo, I got this piece. You know, you can resign him. Like, you know, he'll be your future point guard. What's up? Like, I don't get why uh, they didn't. I, don't, I mean, I didn't hear the rumors that they tried to, but. It makes no sense why you wouldn't. Like, I would have, I would have called another team, team that needed a PG. Another team that I thought that could have, that could have benefited from Jalen Brunson probably the most after New York is Boston. Man, Boston could have definitely that's what I'm saying. Some picks, some players, and got Jalen Brunson to put with 
Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, that would have been nice to see. But again, maybe they just gonna wait till the offseason and just try the chances there. But and then Bertons, I mean, you add another shooter, but he ain't gonna give you no defense of what you need next to Luca. So and then with the like I said, him shooting wise, he's a very streaky shooter. He's not somebody that is gonna be guaranteed to give you three to four threes a night. Like he might have a, a great game and then the next four or five games, he's just gonna be very pedestrian. And they already got shooters in a Maxi Cleaver and, and Reggie Book that's playing well over there. So I didn't, I guess at that point, it was just about the numbers matching up to, to Porzingis' contract. But like you said, I my first thought was damn, that that's the value you can get back for KP. That's it. I guess. Yeah, that, that was really, really stinky. Like I that was trash to me. I I like I looked at it, it was like, nah, this you know, there's you know how like I, during the trade deadline, like they don't give you full details because shit still emerges. Like I was just waiting and yeah, it became final and I'm like, yo, that shit. That is <laughs> shit. Like I would be like I get it, you know, KP probably didn't fit with Luca and they probably had their riffs and rafts, but if if I'm Luca, I'm like, bro, like at least sell him high. Like he's the unicorn. Like a lot of people think he would thrive on different teams, like why not go to the Raptors and go see if I can get a Siakam? Like, I don't like that. Was that was to me it, that deal made me want to put the Mavs as, as the worst front office, but they're surviving right now and they're doing pretty well. And they hired Jason Kidd, which was a great fit for Luca right now. So I can't, but that deal alone was like, yo, you're shitty. Like, what the fuck is this? No, nah, when I when I first I just seen Porzingis trade, I said, okay, I knew that was going to come. And like you said, just those pieces you get back for return is like, uh, <laughs> I, I would at least ask for Rui, like at least, like come on, man, some something else, man. And then another deal too that that kind of just floated under the radar that I think is going to help for this year. So the Spurs just threw Ime Udoka and and the Celtics a bone with Derek White, man. All yeah. they wanted back was. Was Josh Richardson and Romeo Langford and Langford, man? That 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 shit grind that shit grinded my gears, man. That that pissed me off too. Yeah, and that was <laughs> that just showed me again, like, wow, you guys really will throw anything to the east, but anything on the west, which is respectable because we know that. But it's just like, damn, like times don't change. Like it's twenty twenty two, and you still hating on early two thousands. Like, grow up, you're old enough. Fuck. But yeah, man. The deal was nice. Salute to Brad Stevens because let's let's keep it honest. He's under a lot of pressure. He didn't really work out as a coach. He did, but he didn't. But it showed that to me that Danny Ainge, in a sense, was holding him back. He he had told Danny Ainge the players he liked and wanted to keep, and Danny Ainge wouldn't keep them or wouldn't trade for them. So now that he's in position, you can tell what he's going after, and. It's starting to look nice for him. He he was one of the first ones to really hype up Robert Williams before a lot of people wanted to, and now we're seeing that why. Is true. Yeah, now we're seeing why. So it's it's gonna it's gonna be nice to see like the type of team he builds. He's a younger, you know, a younger guy, so he should be accustomed to like the newer NBA. So we'll see where it goes. We'll see if he has to choose between Brown and Tatum. Just like the Celtics, I mean, uh, the Blazers finally had to. And I'm going to say this now. I, I thought that trade was so mid, but whatever. 
Yeah, I I I don't even want to speak on that 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 blazer deal, but like like you said, it it it, it was it was more than mid. Yeah, like people were happy, but I was like, ah. Like, yeah, CJ's going to provide more scoring over there, but it's CJ, bro. His defense is complete dog water. And the Blazers, like, I'm glad they're they're showing up. They do win the season. I think the Knicks should have did the same exact shit. But, yep. man, could, could they not have gotten better movement for that, better pieces, better picks? Like, I don't know. Blazers, they – I mean, we've always known that they don't make the right signings or trades, but – in the next year and a half, the way they deal with this Damian, especially in the summer, the way they deal with this Damian Lillard thing, they're going to be on the hot seat too. And you know they're going to have to pay Anthony Simons the way he's been hooping. Yeah, but I I'm, I mean, I ain't going to cap, man. I thought they should have chose him over CJ. He's younger. Like you said, he's been hooping. He should, he's showing a different spark to them. I don't see how he plays the, the shooting guard with Damian Lillard, so – That'll be interesting to see, but if he is the future of the Blazers, I will I will say this. Um, I'm excited for him. Um, they're gonna have to get some pieces though, because he ain't gonna be able to do this 30 points alone. Like he's gonna have to get some over there. No, nah, yeah, that's 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 definitely uh a, a fact. But uh let me know some of your trade, uh with some of your expectations from these teams after the deadline. Um I mean, the buyout market is here, so we'll see what what those contending teams get. But, you know, for for the Lakers, I'll start with the Lakers, man. It's time to turn it around. We did see good faith against the Warriors, but you got to translate to wins. For the Bucks. you just got to stay afloat, man. Injuries is, is derailing them. They've dropped all the way to the fifth seed. I don't think – I think that path for them, like if they stay – or five-ish, they got an easy path to the championship, and it's going to be scary for guys because if they stay at five and Philly stays at four, Philly's out of there in the first round, bro. They're out of there. So you kind of got the best competition. A lot of people are high on the heat. We know the heat, man. Like, yes, they're the number one seed right now, but I'm not not rocking with that. Um, For the heat, to stay afloat, stay stay the team that they are right now. I think they just got to keep moving the ball and do what they're supposed to do. The Warriors are cooked. Um, not getting the big, not going after Mitchell Robertson or something at the deadline is going to fuck them over. They'll be out. I don't know who's going to take them out, but I'm telling you now, I don't. Laker fans might be scared, but the Lakers get that seven seed, man. I want smoke with Golden State. I want them out first. I think I think that's the easiest target, especially looking at last night. Watch I literally watched that game from start to finish. They have a lot of holes where you can attack them. And if you game plan the right way, no matter who's going off for them, because Curry was going crazy and that wasn't enough. Nope. So, so they I know Draymond's a big piece, but he still ain't gonna be able to stop a seven footer. Like, yes, he's going to foul a lot. Yes, he's going to put a body on them, but he won't be able to stop a seven-footer. So, they're pretty cooked. Um, I'll say something real quick as far as uh, the Warriors, too. Yeah. Everybody keeps assuming that James Wiseman is going to step in and be this, like, defensive stopper or be this – be a huge, intricate piece to their team. 
But the last time we saw him, they had him riding the bench because he couldn't play defense. So I don't see what a year of sending out of basketball is definitely going to do for this team if they have championship aspirations and they and people expect him to just jump straight in in about March, April and, and average about eight to ten rebounds and some blocks. I just don't see it. Yeah. I think if we're being modest to sum this all up, we should. If everything goes the way it's supposed to, we should be seeing a, a repeat in the finals. We should be seeing the Suns versus Bucks part two with the Bucks winning again. But anything can happen, and we never know. But I, with my own eyes, I still only see Golden State, Phoenix, and the Lakers going to the championship out the West. And for the East, I can only see the Bucks or Heat. The Sixers are very good, but James Harden is a, a different piece. Like, James Harden isn't. He doesn't fit the mold of what the Sixers has been doing, running and gunning and just swinging the ball and dumping it off to Embiid. Like, he's going to want to get his. He's going to want to play ISO. And to me, I've been trying to, like, look on Twitter, listen to people talk. You can't tell me a sense to where an offense flows where James Harden gets his and Embiid gets his. I think Embiid is going to drop a little bit. His MVP is going to drop. And we'll talk about that in a second, but I I just don't see it. I they're gonna have to show me before I could just believe in them. You can't like in this day and age in any sport, especially basketball, on paper teams don't matter anymore. It's what you can actually watch and see. That's a fact. No, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, the the buyout market is definitely gonna be huge. Um, that's coming up for for a lot of teams. Um. I want to see if, like you said, the Warriors are cooked unless they get some some interior help, uh, just to be specific as far as them and, and the holes they got to fix. Um, the Lakers, we already know they're going to be on the buyout market. Hopefully they drop DeAndre Jordan and, and Kim Bazemore. They should have done that yesterday. But we'll see how everything plays out, man. We, we're starting to get close to that finish line of the regular season. So a lot of teams definitely got to turn it around. A lot of teams just – just got to just stay healthy and brace themselves for what's coming ahead of them. But from there, we could transition on to, to our power rankings. Um, and, and I'll start first with just uh, my, my top 10 teams so far that I've gotten uh, ranked right now. Uh, right now, Phoenix is still number one. As we know, they're still taking care of business. They've, they're the best in the West right now. So it's got to give them their credit where their credit is due. Um, at number two, I have the Miami Heat right now. They got band back. They're clicking on all cylinders with everybody back in their lineup with them being fully healthy and one of the best basketball coaches in the league in Eric Spolstra. So got to give them that credit. Um, at number three, for the way they've been playing lately, I got to give the Boston Celtics a lot of credit. They're on an A-game winning streak. Tatum and Jalen Brown has been sharing the ball, not just to each other, but throughout their, their teammates. Uh, Marcus Smart has been kind of taking that point guard role for that team. So I like I like to see I like the way they've been playing. Also with Eman Udoka being um, a head coach, it looks like he's been able to put his fingerprints on that team a little bit more. Um, at number four, I got Chicago Bulls, and <clears throat> reason why we'll get into that is because uh, later on the MVP ranking. Shout out to uh, Demar Derozan. Um, who else I got? Number at number five, I got the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, they just been staying. They've been staying steady. They've been consistent as far as this year with uh, their winning streak and everything. Um, and number six, I got the Memphis Grizzlies. 
Um, they're still quietly winning also as well on a five-game winning streak, taking care of business. At number seven, I got the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, just because they've been a little up and down lately, just trying to get to that all-star break through the finish line of these dog days where they can regroup, get their energy back to where they'll be ready to make that playoff push. Um, at number eight, I have the I have the Golden State Warriors right now, uh, just because they've just been in a slump lately. I mean, the only one they pretty much had as of recently is against the Lakers that I can remember of. But a lot of their games they've been losing too, and they've been losing a lot of awful games too. Just the way they've been losing has been awful to the Knicks, the Jazz, the Clippers. That needs to be spoken up a little bit more. But I'll leave it at that. Um, at number at number nine, I have the Philadelphia 76ers. And at number 10, I got the Dallas Mavericks right now. And I like the way Dallas has been playing. Luka is, is slowly starting to enter, is creeping in back to those MVP talks, the way he's been playing. And, and yeah, so far, that's uh, my top 10. I don't have Utah in the top 10 just because they are who they are. I don't put too much stock in Utah at this point. So, and again, that's just the teams based on, on how they've been playing recently and up, up to these last couple of weeks. So that's my top 10 so far. Yeah, I believe it or not, I have the same exact top 10. The only thing I have is the Warriors at four and every other team you name just drops down one. So to save time, I, I definitely have the same exact <laughs> top 10, but I still think the Warriors are top four power ranking team just last night's loss was was nasty for them but we can't ignore that clay got hot two nights before that against the lakers so to me in in the grand scheme of things yes they they have big issues but if we're talking about right now going into the all-star break they're definitely a top four team um i don't view them as scary but i can see why the rest of the league views them as a scary team um, last night, Clay, I'm not Clay. Last night, Steph finally got his his mojo back, and that could be scary for guys. You know, All Star break, you get a little bit of juice flowing. You know that you know this is the final stretch. So, a lot of teams could be in trouble. We don't know. We'll we'll just have to see. But I don't know. I think, like I said, to me, it's Bucks and Suns right now. But I could I wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors were there. But the Warriors are going to have trouble depending who they're seeding against. Now, if they end up playing the Timberwolves or somebody, yeah, they, they probably went in four or five. But if they somehow, you know, play the Lakers or they play the Clippers, where Ty Lue is coaching his ass off right now, they could have some trouble. Like, I don't think the Clippers can beat them. But if the Clippers take them to six, you know, the Golden State ain't no young team. Like, they have younger guys, but their core guys are – a little bit older and need that rest. You see your boy uh, Draymond is dealing with back issues. Um, Clay, you know, Clay is still getting his legs from the last two years he's missed and then Courage has been in a slump. So I think they, if, if their best bet is to sweep through the playoffs if they want to win a championship, to me. No, for sure. The more you you wear an older team out, I think the more just the more chance the team has gotten to beat a uh, chance to beat them. So that's definitely true there. And then also to put another, uh, a lot of people got to realize, once you're in the playoffs, your record is zero and zero. 
it don't matter exactly. anything else after that. That shit don't matter. So you just got to be ready to play. And then for a team that gets to lock in for for a seven-game series and you don't have to worry about different opponents, you just got to focus on one team. Hey, you give somebody like Ty Lue that chance, we've seen what he can do with adjustments. So it ain't going to be easy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And then I just want to address this because I know people are going to be like, well, like, you know, why am I still high on the Lakers? Their, their problems are, like, easy fixes, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not internal problems. It's not a, oh, this guy can't play. Like, you've seen that Westbrook played a whole different role against the Warriors, and it worked completely. Like It had, that, it had one turnover, mind you. One turnover. Yeah. And if, if that's his role or if that's how we run it for the rest of the season, it's an easy job. Like, we still weren't really running plays, and we were scoring at will because all we did was put our back to the basket. He was able to post up. LeBron posted up. AD was posting up. That worked. Now, if Malik Monk would have, you know, showed up a little bit more, that would have been a 10-point win. But it's easy fixes. We don't miss our free throws or even at least shoot 80%. We win. So, to me, it's the easy fixes for other teams. And, I mean, people could say it's biased, but that's just facts to me. But for other teams, there's there's big question marks. Like, when I'm when I'm talking about the Sixers, we don't know how James Harden and, and Embiid can fit. We just don't know. So it, it depends. We don't know what's going on with the Nets. Like, is Kyrie's mandate in New York, like, is that rule going to switch before the playoffs? Because if you don't play home games, you have him in away games, and then he can't play home games. And this is the playoffs where you shorten your rotation. Now you have to bring in a guy. Like, you know, in the playoffs, it's a seven, eight-man rotation. When Kyrie's out, now it's going to be a nine, ten-man rotation. Like, that fucks up shit in the playoffs. So we really don't know with the Nets. So that's why I'm just so – I'm so iffy on any other team but the teams we've already seen and the teams that are damn near the same, like the Bucks and the Suns. No, I feel you. It definitely makes sense. I don't, I don't disagree with none of that actually at all. So, and then also too, we got to take an account of who might get hurt in the playoffs. We just saw Kyrie get hurt last year with a sprained ankle, couldn't finish the series against Milwaukee. So you just never know what may happen in the playoffs. Yeah, but for the MVP, man, I know you're gonna rock with me, but he's not getting his credit. Demar's the MVP right now. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Talk about it. Talk about it. I don't care what nobody is talking about. He's the MVP. Yes, they're not the top of the East, but Embiid ain't the top of the East no more either. They didn't drop to four. So let, let's let's really, you know, keep it real. The Bulls are number two, and they're half game back. And I know y'all not saying nobody on the Heat is, is the MVP. You can't tell me that because they didn't miss too many games, whoever it is. Bam, I know people ain't going to say Bam, but Jimmy Butler didn't miss way too many games, and he ain't even the leading scorer most of the time. DeMar's putting nope. the team on his back, and they missing their best players. Now, if you tell me if Zach Levine played more games, if Lonzo Ball and Alex Crusoe played more games, the Bulls wouldn't even have 20 losses right now. They'd probably have the same record as the Suns. They'd probably have 10 losses for sure. Like, you go look at that team, and everyone – was bashing, you know, this is the worst signing. He got too much money. He's not a winning player. Yeah, okay. Look at him right now. Look at what he's doing on the East. 
he he went to the Spurs. We know why the Spurs weren't good. They're kind of like they were mixed in, you, you know, dabbling if they wanted to be a rebuild team or they were going to push for the playoffs. Now you put him on a team that wants to win. Look what he's doing, bro. And he's damn near, he's well, not damn near, he's averaging 30 in like his last 10 games. Like he's going yonkers every night. I, I don't know all two-point field goals. No threes. All two-point field goals. And shooting 50% and higher. Come on now. Like, yeah, Giannis is cool, but they're a fifth seed. If we if we because every year when, when MVP mattered, other than Russell Westbrook, obviously, because he was just you know, his stats were ridiculous, even though they were seventh seed. But every year they want to talk about top teams. You got to look at the, the guys that have the best standings, whatever. Well, DeMar checks every category that a nigga want to talk about. You take him off that team, they not winning. You, That's um, a lottery team. You look at a uh, you look at their standings. They're top three team in the whole in the whole NBA, pretty much top four. You look at just his conference. They're a top two top two team, damn near top one. They're half game back. You look at his points per game. He's top ten. So everything he he's checking off the list. There is no debate when you look at everyone else. Yes, you can say Embiid, but they're a four seed. They're dropping. And we know, I mean, we're prejudging, but we know that his production is going to go down just a little bit with James Harden. It's a prejudgment. They could, you know, maybe still run straight through him. But if we all are being honest, we know that his production is going to drop. Now, if you want to go talk about the Suns, it's hard to say. Like, is it Chris Paul? Is it Devin Booker? That's what makes it hard for their MVP argument. And that's not taken away from them. But it makes it hard because you can't say who's who. In a lot of people's eyes, Chris Paul runs that team. In a lot of people's eyes, Devin Booker runs that team. So it's just it's just hard. I think DeMar is a clear-cut MVP. Like, even with Zach Levine on the floor, DeMar outshines him. So you can't debate, oh, well, Zach Levine does – no, DeMar does more. And he's he's like – he's literally dominating the league, like, if if y'all want to talk about Kobe mentality, I mean Mamba mentality, all that shit, Demar is embodying it, and we got to be real about that. Yo, man, when we start this podcast, I'll still never forget Demar Derozan was ranked number seventy two by ESPN's rankings, and a lot of you idiots out there ran with it. And now, fast forward to this day, Demar Derozan is like you said, man, putting up over thirty a game shooting above 50%, doing it from all twos, playing his game still, playing that mid-range game that everybody wanted to make fun of. Now we're all giving him his flowers and running back to his praises, saying how, oh, DeMar has the best mid-range in the game now. He's been had that in his game. He's been had that in his bag. He ain't never switched up. Since day zero, he's always played like this. So now, see it just all come to fruition. I love to see it, man. And even he spoke on it yesterday after the game where he dropped another 40, 19 in the fourth quarter for those who don't watch. Pretty much said his time in San Antonio was him figuring out his complete game, and we're starting to see it now. As far as a leadership-wise, him becoming the facilitator that he is. Even in San Antonio, he averaged six assists last year, which was a career high, but yet everybody slept on that. And now we see him in Chicago now bringing his teammates along with him. He's playing with with Ayo DeSumo, who's a rookie, and that's no disrespect to him because I like him. He's playing with Kobe White, another young talent. Like you said, 
he's now playing with backup players that weren't even supposed to be in a rotation right now and still has them in a second in a second seed and in a competitive Eastern Conference, not in the East of the past either. So DeMar is the, is the MVP in my eyes, the number one clear-cut choice right now. Um, you can debate who's two, three, four, and five afterwards. If we did have to rank them, I'll say Embiid's a close second. Um, like you said, with, with Chris Paul and Booker, that's just tough. You're splitting hairs. And also they're splitting votes as far as who's the MVP right now because they're both playing at a high level. Um, Luca is starting – his name is going to start being mentioned in those MVP conversations, the way he's been playing as of late. And then um, also as well – um, man, I just forgot his name off the top of my head. Oh, um, Giannis. Giannis is still hooping also as well. I'm sure he'll be in the mix as well. But right now, the season ended today. It got to go to the from, – from the guy from Compton. Yeah, it got to. I mean – I already know the argument, and I, I can respect Embiid, but it's just the disrespect to DeMar. That's all I'm saying. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not knocking anybody else. I, I definitely see the argument for Embiid, but I don't see the argument putting Embiid over DeMar. I see the argument for Embiid, though. He definitely should be there. He's definitely two to me. He's two, but I think that DeMar is running away with it. Like, if it was a percentage vote, I feel like DeMar should have 64% and Embiid should have 36 Like, that's just how I see it. And I already know how the NBA goes. I already know how politics go. I do see Embiid most likely winning it. But if we're being real, DeMar deserves it. Right now, he deserves it. And it's no debate. No, that's a fact, for sure. And then also, too, just by mentioning when we talk about Joel Embiid, then bringing in James Harden is to lessen the load on Joel Embiid. So I do see his numbers taking a slight hit. We're playing with James Harden also as well, as far as him being that that MVP player that he is. That's the whole point of bringing in that second player and James Harden. He's not going to be able to carry this whole full burden, not just for 82 games, but then also to extend the same type of energy and effort in the playoffs. No, he can't even do that if, they, if he has aspirations of winning. He has to still take his game to another level. So some of that's going to be reserved once James Harden gets into town. He starts playing. Yeah. Uh, I, I got a question. This, And then we'll get to the All-Star predictions and all that. I've just been seeing a lot of news I'm reading as we're podcasting. James Harden had his press conference today. And he said that his first choice was always Philly, and he didn't have a choice to go to Brooklyn. What's your thoughts on that? Man, stop the cat. Don't do this. Just stop, <laughs> James. Don't don't do this. You just you you making it worse, dog. Don't don't do this. You 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 went over here talking about it was going to be scary hours in Brooklyn. You couldn't wait to play with this with, with KD and Kyrie. And now for you to come out and say, oh, I've always wanted to be in Philly, man, that's that's all I got to say. I, I got to watch the interview, man, and, I, and I'll tap back in. But I did see the uh, the Ben Simmons portion of uh, his his interview also in Brooklyn. Yeah, but, he said he wants to play against Philly in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's going to be interesting, man. And it's, I thought it was interesting for him to even say, you know, he still spoke to people inside that Philly organization on his way out. Tobias Harris, some of the other folks. But 
But as far as James Harden go, man, hey, forget it. You wanted you wanted to go to Brooklyn. It didn't work in your favor. You got what you wanted, as you always do. So <laughs> don't complain now. This is who you are. Yeah. All right, man. You know me. You know how I feel about the All-Star Weekend. I just make this a week break, like, if we're not going to keep it real no more. Yes, the, the All-Star game has gotten a little bit more competitive, but the voting is still so goddamn trash that it makes you not even want to watch the game. So here's my predictions. LeBron drafted the way better team. He will now, as the captain, go 6-0 and this weekend. That's my prediction. Dunk contest, good luck to that. Um, I hope they put on a show, but shit, if I have anything to do Saturday, it's Saturday, right? Yeah, it's Saturday. If I have yep. anything to do Saturday, I'm sure I'm not watching it, and I ain't pulling it up on my phone. Now for the three-point contest, again, another one I don't care about. I ain't watching unless I'm bored. All-Star on Sunday, I'll probably watch because, you know, Sunday's a chill day. You relax, do your laundry, shit like that. So, you know, why not throw that on? But for the weekend, man, my predictions is garbage. It's going to be garbage. It always has been garbage for the last three years. Yes, we've had little moments, but an overall sense, it's been garbage. It ain't been good since I was a kid. Um, I don't know who's in Celebrity Game, but I'm sure I don't care about it. I'm sure Quavo's in it, and they're going to try to give him the MVP by any means necessary. So I ain't watching that bullshit either. But good luck to the All-Stars. I'm glad DeJounte Murray got in, even though he was a replacement. I still look at that as a regular All-Star because a lot of guys have replacement years. Um, We can take it back to the years where, yeah, I was, you know, being fucking voted in and he was injured the whole year and guys had to replace him. And they never, you know, you don't see replacement on their resume. You see All-Stars. So salute to DeJounte. Salute to Jared Allen for getting it yesterday over uh, for James Harden's injury. I see the argument for Siakam, but Jared Allen's team is better and he's played better all year. Siakam had a big slump to where everyone was saying trade him. And now that he's hooping the last two weeks, he's an all-star. No, fuck that. Jared Allen is an all-star. Salute to him. So other than that, man, uh, you know me. So what's your what's your thoughts? What's your predictions? Um, like you said, Team LeBron go win after just looking at the rosters. Um is it just me or just like like you said, it feels like it's getting worse. Even the dunk contest, when I saw the names, I was just like, why is Juan Toscano Anderson in this? And that's no disrespect to him as a player. I don't want to see him in no damn dunk contest. Now, and another thing that, that just grinds my gears now, how the NBA is now gonna give rings for these all-star players. So now everybody can run around saying they got a ring for playing in the all-star game? Fuck out of here. That's just stupid to me. And NBA's just blowing money just to blow it. So that's just stupid to me. Three-point contest, I'm not – and honestly, when I when I look at everything, seeing it's on Saturday, if all goes well tomorrow in our playoff game, I'll probably be coaching in a playoff game or in my club team tournament. So I'm probably not going to watch much of this also. But the only thing that I actually want to see – is the rising stars competition just because of the young players. Anytime I get to watch uh, Ant-Man and LaMelo Ball, Kay Cunningham, Evan Mobley, and a lot of these young players, hey, I'm willing to watch it in this little tournament style they got going because they're going to take it a little bit more serious than than a lot of the pros and all-stars that are in this thing. So besides that, 
kind of don't really care about it anymore. Um, if I had to pick a winner, I'll say this. Desmond Bain would win the three-point shootout. Him or my man, Fran Van Vliet. Only two people I'm, I'm really rooting for in that competition. Um, besides that, just hope nobody gets hurt. Hope it's somewhat of exciting. But like you said, man, I'm not going to really have too much time this weekend to watch these games. Yeah, I mean, salute to my guy AD getting a week of rest. Same with Melo, you know. That's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at my team. <laughs> I don't care about this, man. I, I do want to say this, though, and we didn't get to talk about it when it came to GMs. Are you looking at this clutch versus Palinka thing? And how do you feel? Again, I feel the, the player empowerment is a little too much. Um, especially after, you know, we won the championship. We let Braun do what he wanted to do. He brought in Trez. That didn't really work out. Started bringing in more of his guys. Didn't really work. And I thought, okay, Palinka should have definitely just stepped stepped in more and and say, okay, let me, let me do my job a little bit more. But nope, still let LeBron get the reins. And and quite honestly, and I know this is not going to happen until he leaves, but Bron just got to step back, man, and, and, and let Palinka just do his 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 thing. And a lot of people will say, oh, the Lakers didn't make a deal. That was terrible. Sometimes not making a deal can be the best deal. Like, I'm glad the Lakers didn't force anything, and we just got back a, a lot of bullshit just because we wanted pieces and players to go away. Like you said, our situation isn't as bad as everyone says it is. We're just the Lakers, so everybody's going to make it bigger than what it is. So... Again, hopefully in the future we start to see more of these GMs. Hopefully even Jeannie Buss starts to step up and just tell LeBron, fall back, tell Rich Paul, you do your thing on a player agency. We'll bring in our players who's going to fit and make us a better championship team. But even for myself, to, today today's the day where I got to say we can't let Clutch Sports run the, run the Lakers front office anymore. Yeah, and just a quick backstory because there's another report coming out. For people that don't know, Dave McMinnon, or however you say his last name, worked for Lakers Nation and ended up getting signed um, with ESPN and ended up going with LeBron and the Cavs in 2018. Now he's back with the Lakers, but everyone knows he's a clutch reporter. So yep. during the trade deadline, he was saying that Rob Plink lied about consulting with AD and LeBron. And that's where all this came from. This is where the rift came. And now he also had reported that the Lakers had discussions to get John Wall, but the Lakers didn't want to give up a first-round pick. Then he reported that the Lakers didn't want to give up a first-round pick to get Cam Reddish. Now today he's reporting that the Lakers could have got John Wall and Christian Wood without giving up a first-round pick by just trading Russell, but the team still believes in Russell. So to me, I believe that we all know, like I said, he's a clutch uh, reporter. I think it's smoke and mirrors. I think that you know, I don't know who's creating this rift, but he's definitely not helping because on one end, the day of the trade deadline, you said that we didn't want to give up a first-round pick. Now you're saying we never had to give up a first-round pick. So I don't know if some guys are done with Russell, like Rich Paul, and maybe LeBron isn't. I don't know if, you know, if the Lakers are standing behind Russell, but just cut the fucking noise till the offseason at least. Like, let's just let's just do it till after the offseason, and then we can go our separate ways. That's how I feel about it. 
Nah, for real, man. Because this this riffraff going back and forth, Lakers. If the Lakers are are interested in making any run, we can't have this right now. Not right now. Trade deadline is gone and passed. Fuck it. Ain't nothing we can get back. Just resume all these talks when our season's over. Yeah, that's that's really all I ask. I mean, everyone knows after the trade deadline is where teams, you know, come together. So that's all I'm asking for us to do. And that's all we can do at the end of the day, man. Like I said before, we we made our bed. We got to lay in it. That's a fact, man. I'm I'm just hoping for the best, but we know what's coming. End of the season's here, so we're gonna keep providing this content. I'm I'm ready for it. I'm ready for the end of the season and the playoffs. Man, I I definitely can't wait, especially the way both conferences are, are shaping up. It's only gonna get better from here on out, man. So with that, with that being said, we thank you guys. We appreciate y'all for for, for tapping in with us on a, on another episode. Remember to to share. You know, like, subscribe to it, you know, spread the word, send it to a friend of another friend. But at the end of the day, as we always like to say, we like to support, protect our black women. We love to see the youth um, be pushed and led in the right direction, man. That being said, Luke, Fo, you got anything you want to say before we get on, get on out of here? Yes, sir. I appreciate all y'all, man. Love is love. Thank you for the support. Keep supporting us. We coming. Let's get it. Yes, sir. We out. Peace. Peace. Click the subscribe button and make sure to follow us on our Instagram page at Ball Never Lie Pod and our Twitter page, BNL underscore podcast.